As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone. This is Mav Sports Take, episode 78, your unmuzzled sports talk, bringing you the business side of the sports world and everything and anything that you hear about, but also a lot of which that you do not. It's been a busy day in football, especially today as we're recording here on a Tuesday night at 8.27 Eastern Time. We'll be talking a little bit of the Aaron Rodgers make a deal, which there's been some conversation about what the actual numbers of that, of that contract are. But in our latest that we've heard, it was four years, $200 million with $153 million guaranteed, which some people are saying is not the actual number. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about Russell Wilson sent to the Denver Broncos for a King's Ransom. But our first segment of the night, we will actually have Leo Chanel on, who is fresh off a dominating combine performance, linebacker out of Wisconsin, who measured in right around six foot three, 250 pounds, 4'5", 40-yard dash, 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, and a 10-foot-eight broad jump on top of also looking incredibly fluid in the drills that he did during the combine. David, I know that we have an exciting guest, obviously. We have a lot to talk about, but I always have to start us out here, man, as we are live <laughs> here on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and, of course, on TikTok via David Turner. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, doing great. I, you know what? It's, we missed last week. We had some uh, technical difficulties to get on and do so. I'm itching to do a show, and with all the news coming today and the great guests you were able to secure for us, you know, I'm stoked about this show here, so I'm just ready to get after it and get on. Yeah, man. Yeah, so I, I want to bring on Leo here in just a second. Again, he is all-conference, all-American linebacker out of Wisconsin in this past season, 115 total tackles, 18.5 tackles for loss, and eight sacks in only 11 football games. Goes to the combine and blows it up. He was part of a dynamic inside linebacker duo at Wisconsin with Jack Sanborn, who's also a part of the 2022 cycle. And his brother, John, actually participated, David, down at the College Gridiron Showcase. He's a fullback as well for the Wisconsin Badgers. So excited to bring on Leo. Yes, (laughs) yes, it sure does. It's the Watt family, but now it's the Chanel family. Bringing on Mr. Leo Chanel. Leo, appreciate you for hopping on, man. How's everything been? Uh, Doing well. Appreciate you guys for inviting me. Yeah, man. Thank Absolutely. you for doing that, Leo. This is, I mean, that was an exciting, impressive, you know, showing you put on there at the Combine. So we're super psyched to have you and pump you up here a little bit and get to know you better for our audience. For sure, for sure. Yeah, well, fortunately, I've had the opportunity to talk to Leo in the past, so I know him a good bit. Been hyping him up since the summer, so I was happy to get you back on here, Leo, because I, I think, I mean, for my money, you're the top linebacker, a true off-ball linebacker in the 2022 class, and I'm excited to see you a part of it. And I was so ecstatic to see just the performance that you put on it in Indianapolis, man. So want to start you there. Obviously, I know the combine is a much different animal than it's been in the past, right? Because now you're doing the bench, the measurements, all the workouts, all on the same day. I know it's a grind. Take me through just your experience in Indianapolis. How was it for you? And how excited were you for the performance that you put on athletically? Um, You know, just arriving there, um, you know, just meeting a lot of guys that, um, you know, you see here talk about. Uh, stuff like that. It was really cool um, to get to know the different personalities, just, you know, even the linebacker room. Um, but, you know, they, they had us go through all these tests. Um, definitely cha- challenged me, you know, challenged people mentally. Uh, it was interesting. 
but you know, just taking advantage of that time they had, you know, us sitting in, you know, MRI, waiting for an MRI for eight hours, you know, just you know, realizing don't get, don't get upset, you know, just use the time wisely, like sit there and stretch, you know, do something. Um, so I mean, it's definitely interesting in that way. Um, and when it, when it came time to perform, you know, the adrenaline was flying and um, it was exciting. Yeah, man. And uh, Leo, I forgot to mention, David was actually in the scouting realm for 18 years in the NFL, CFL, and Arena League. Usually I pop that in there so he understands the uh, the emotions and everything you're going through, and especially those fi- what those 15-minute interviews, right, where you're just kind of getting past like a hot potato and doing all that fun stuff. So I want to ask before well, David asks his first on. question. Wait, wait, Go ahead. Though, but I will say this. <laughs> the grind for the players, because I was a leader of the uh, safeties group, isn't typically the physical day. Like that's like their relief day. That's like, okay, <laughs> you know what? I know what I'm doing. I get it. But it's like, like he was talking about eight hours for an MRI, wake up early at 4 a.m. for the drug test, do this, do that, talk to this person. Now come over here and do this. That to them, you know, is like, oh, a be- you know, will beater like this. You're just like, wow. And then they're like, finally, I can do something physical that I'm aware <laughs> that I know what I'm doing. This is perfect. Right. Am I wrong? No, no, that that's really accurate. Um, you know, for uh, you know, we're waking up at four a.m., getting to bed at one a.m. or one thirty a.m. Sometimes, you know, because we still got to get our workout in. Uh, w- you know, for me, it's Exos. We got to get our workout in. You know, a block away. Um, you know, after all the interviews are done. But you know, I'm surprised. You know, I made it without caffeine, like no coffee in the morning. <laughs> I was I was alert. You know, just that environment just keeps you like really alert, and uh, you know, it's it's fun. Well, Leo, I would say this. Well, I was not surprised at all that you test the way you did because obviously you were on the film and freak list. When you watch the film, like it's very obvious that you're a good athlete. And then you just mentioned you're also training in Exos. That never hurts at all. Let me ask you about those numbers that I kind of rattled off at the top, though. At 250 pounds, 453, which is silly. That shouldn't be allowed. 40 and a half inch vertical, even sillier, shouldn't be allowed. 10 8 broad jump. All those numbers, man, just kind of lean up through your training and everything. Were those the goals? Did you smash goals? Were those personal bests? Like, what? How was the just the I guess the barometer for how you tested specifically? Um, yeah, you know, leading up to it, uh, I was hoping you know, when I first got to Exos for the forty, I was hoping for like a four five five. Uh, you know, just kind of as the training was going, I'm like, okay, I, now I'm improving way more than this. So I was kind of hoping for like a high four four, to be honest. Um, and then for the broad jump, you know, it kind of just steadily increased. So, I mean, right there is kind of where I expected. Um, 11 feet would have been nice, but I had I had my foot, you know, like that happens where you jump and one foot's behind the other. It's kind of like, dang it. You always got to take the back foot, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that was kind of tough. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you, know, okay, you know, okay with that one. And then the vert uh, uh, was kind of the most disappointing for me. I, you know, I was capable of getting, you know, like a 43. I just, I don't, I don't know what it was, but. Um, you know, we measure off of like the highest you could touch. We go by like, you know, guys get anywhere from like 130 inches to 138 inches, stuff like that. You know, I was, I was hitting like 133, 134 inches, but you know, at the combine I only hit like 130.5 inches, I think, or something like that, 131. So I definitely didn't get, you know, as good as I wanted to in the vertical, but you know, overall, um, you know, it was, it was an okay day. David, you yeah, hear this I mean, man? Forty-three inch vert at two hundred fifty pounds. <laughs> I know. I'm saying at two hundred fifty pounds and getting over a forty-inch vert is still very impressive. Checks a lot of boxes for us scouts. And again, going 10, 10 8, I mean that's an explosive get out on the broad. Mm-hmm. So I know you're aiming for the eleven, but still a ten eight is very impressive. I mean that these numbers are blowing the doors off of a lot. I'm not sure if your agent has done the comparison of like the last three years draft, but if you take the 250 pound linebackers that in the last three years draft, I think you're going to be leading many, if not all the categories with the numbers that we're looking at right here based on height, weight, and now speed and broad and those things. And again, your measurables with your arm length and everything else falls right in line with everybody that is trying to be in that top position like you are. So, I mean, I think measurable wise, you hit all the boxes that you could, young man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, let, yeah, let me yeah. ask you before, David, before your last question, I just want to ask, yeah. you mentioned, Leo, obviously it's, it's a little bit of a, a grind to say the least. And you're obviously meeting with a lot of teams. We talked about those 15 minute interviews, all that type of stuff. Let me ask, who are some of, I don't want to say your favorite, but who are, what were some of the teams that you feel like you had great interviews with that maybe you just hit it off with pretty well? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I can't say they're my favorite, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, you know, e each one, each one was awesome. Um, you know, meeting with guys that love football. Uh, we just sit down and talk football like that. Um, obviously, coming from Wisconsin, just being able to talk with Coach LaFleur, um, you know, guys in their front office was really cool for me. Um, you know, just, you know, growing up and watching them. Uh, Coach Tomlin, uh, Brian Flores, you know, those those dudes were cool. You know, they, they know football for sure. And uh, just going over, you know, certain schemes and talking ball with them was really cool. Um, you know, all, all of them were really good. But, you know, those are the first ones that come to mind. Now, you, you know, you have an interesting uh, experience as a recruit. Can you take us through a little bit of the backstory and how you you ended up getting to go to Wisconsin on the radar? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, going through high school, John and I, you know, we kind of went through everything together. Uh, we weren't, you know, heavily recruited at all. We didn't really, you know, expect to go D1, even D2. So we're just like, we came like time my, was it my sophomore, um, before my sophomore year, his junior year, we were like, you know, we might as well go to some, you know, go to the WFCA Combine. That's the combine for Wisconsin. Uh, might as well, you know, hit up a few camps, you know, just see what we can do. Um, you know, that was that was kind of the starting point for us. Uh, so we got we got kind of late into the um, the, th uh, the recruiting process there. And um, you know, South Dakota State was my first off my first offer, and uh, that kind of just opened the door to more things. Wisconsin started talking to me. I talked to Coach Leonard, and he said, "All right, let's watch the first few games of your junior year, and we'll see where it goes from there." And you know, I got the offer. Uh, after the, my third game, I believe my junior year, and uh, I was about to commit right on the spot. I was so excited, just in-state guy, so excited. Went one in that uh, Wisconsin offer. Um, my family convinced me, and you know, so I waited a day, <laughs> I waited 24 hours, then I committed. Then, <laughs> uh, but you know, Iowa was talking to me. Um, Minnesota kind of were like, eh, um, you know, they kind of, you know, weren't that interested in me. But uh, you know, I'm glad I made the Wisconsin choice. Now, how awesome. was it playing for Coach Coach Leonard? I mean, I think he's an incredible, you know, being a former scout personnel guy when he was playing, watching him as a player and scouting him, I thought he was a incredible, you know, very cerebral individual when he was a player. How is he as a coach? I, I, just, I can't – I'm very curious. Uh, I mean, obviously he's a genius. Like, he's taken us um, two, three, um, occasionally a four-star. He's taken us to be the number one defense in the country almost yearly. Uh, you're in the top five yearly, um, statistically, every single year. Um, so just taking those low-rated recruits and doing something special with us every single year um, just speaks for itself. He knows how to play to everyone's strengths. Um, you know, he knows everybody's weakness. And, you know, it's just playing around, like, things like that. And, uh, you know, it was an honor working with him. David, you stole my follow-up question, man. I am about uh -oh. as big a, a Jim Leonard now fan. Now he's lost. Now he has to sit and think a little bit. Uh-oh. Well, I'll uh, ramble I, on I got, more I, so you can catch up a little bit. Nah, man, I got one ready. Uh, Leo, wanted to ask you about, um, obviously, you're so John is a year older than you, or is he two years older than you? He's a year older. He's a year older. So, obviously – in theory, you guys would have been entering different draft classes if, you know, the eligibility, all that type of stuff. Fortunately, you had such a dynamic season that you were able to declare early and join him throughout the process. Obviously, I know John was down the College Gridiron Showcase. He got to show out a little bit down there and do all that type of stuff. Let me ask you, how much have you just been in contact with him? Are you training in the same spot? And what's it been like? I mean, because it's a little unorthodox that you get to go through the draft process with your older brother. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, definitely glad I got to go through with him. You know, we just bounce off each other, um, certain things, because we're staying at different facilities. He's up in Minnesota, and you know, I'm down in Arizona um, at Exos. So we definitely oh, just, you know, bounce it off. I could have, I could have met up with him and done this in person. Oh, really? I live in uh, Tempe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, we definitely had like different, you know, situations. He was kind of pissed that I got the nice weather. <laughs> he, he was stuck in the, like, zero-degree weather. But, you know, besides that, like, you know, we, we were just bouncing off information, checking in with each other um, probably every other day, just like, you know, how's this going? Um, what would you work on this week? Um, but, you know, now we're back in Wisconsin. He's been back here for about, you know, a few days. I just got back yesterday. And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, now we're working together, and it's nice because we're, we're just, like, talking about certain things and detailing each other out, so stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, when you guys were picking agents, how did you guys handle that process separately or together? Or how did the parents ba balance that and stuff working with you on picking agents? 
Um, you know, my parents weren't really involved uh, in that process. Um, you know, they got a lot going on back at home. I don't want to stress them out with that. Uh, I definitely uh, was listening to my fiance at the, or girlfriend, girlfriend at the time. You know, it, it was girlfriend, fiance, wife in a span of like two months. So I got to get it right. Uh, you know, I was definitely <laughs> listening to her. Um, she's usually good with those gut feelings. Uh, so I, I, RJ Gonzer with CAA is ultimately who I chose. And he was just somebody who appealed to me because he was like the only guy like asking about family, wanting to meet family, wanting to meet my girlfriend, like, and he was really personal. And he told me that I was only going to be the only guy like I'd, he'd signed this year. So just that one-on-one -on -one thing was really important to me. And yeah, I wasn't really involved with John. So I don't know much about his, his story, to be honest. Gotcha. You had a phenomenal season with 115 uh, tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, and eight sacks. I mean, on only 11 games, and that's pretty dang impressive. Those numbers are going to jump out, you know, to anybody. How how will you remember that season, and what what do you attribute to you know such massive growth numbers and the success this last season for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it was definitely you know um, you know season to remember. I think you know the two biggest things were confidence you know just a continual build of confidence each year like my sophomore year i was a lot better than my freshman year and then just being able to take over that you know that role as like a leader starter um you know just boosted me even further into my junior year um and then the second thing is obviously my position coach coach bostead he spent so much time with us detailing you know certain things and you know stopping the run and that's something i, I took pride in is being able to stop the run me and jack were like all right we got to be the number one run defense you know help our boys out you know on the back end um, just make every team we play one dimensional. So just that combo of confidence and, you know, just trusting the coaches. Well, Leo, I just have one more question for you, man. Again, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time here. Like you kind of already said, you were training out in Arizona. I'm sure you're going to kind of be, you know, get, getting ready for that pro day. I don't know how much you'll be doing with, with the performance that you had at the combine, obviously, but just take me through a little bit of what the next step looks like. Obviously you have, the visits with 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 um with the with um each of the teams that will be requesting those visits. You're gonna have you know just the the pro day, like I said. Then it's kind of smooth sailing until the draft day, man. So take me through a little bit of the rest of the process and maybe what draft day might look like. Are you hanging out with John? Are you gonna be with the family? What what are those details looking like? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, heading up to the draft day, I'll be working out here in Madison. Um, you know, probably gonna be working with Coach Snee here, head strength coach. Uh, he he knows a lot of stuff, so and. I just have a really good relationship with him. He's a player's coach for sure. He's helped a lot of guys out, and I'll probably be working with my brother here too. We push each other more than anybody else could. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll just be meeting with coaches. I don't have a set schedule, and, I, like, I don't know what teams I'll be meeting with quite yet, uh, but I'll definitely they'll, – they'll either fly me out or they'll fly here. Um, so just working with them. And then once it comes draft day, um, I think it's really important to be around my family and just, you know, having them – you know, be there for me and stuff like that. And I'll be with John as well. So, um, we'll, you know, we'll set up an area in our, our home we grew up in and, um, it'll be really nice. I love it. Leo. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be an outdoor party. I don't think it's going to be an outdoor party. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. It's getting a little warmer here though. It's, it's, it might hit 60 next, like next week or something. I heard, you know, you That's know, here bad. in Arizona, when it's 60, we're, you know, the girls are in Uggs and sweaters and the guys were all in our parkas, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Leo, one thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go, and I promise this is the last one. Obviously, I know a lot of people that I talked to were very curious about that bench press, right? Because obviously the video of the 40 reps and all that type of stuff, you're going to be doing that at the pro day or you just kind of – they know about that already. <laughs> we're good. Um, You know, I, I'm definitely going to be doing it at the pro day. Um, It hurt me so bad not to do it at the combine. Like growing up, like, you know, since high school, I was like, all right, if I go pro – I want to. I want to go to the combine. I want to go break the NFL record for a linebacker, and um, you know it really hurt me. But you know the coaches uh, at Exos were just telling me like it's probably not the best idea to do it. So just because you know same day type stuff for your nervous yeah. system, they know the science on it. But you know I'll, I'll be doing it at pro day, and you know hopefully hopefully get a number. Um, you know I'm, I'm I don't know like I hit 42 years ago, but don't expect anything any more than that. You know it's you know <laughs> season is a grind and. Uh, you know, just trying to get up there. Hey, just get over it. 30 and you're fine. Like, seriously, <laughs> like the numbers you've already put up, the things you've done, and people have video of you doing over 40 or the 40 reps. Like, 
if you, as long as you get over 30, you're fine. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, Leo Chanel, linebacker out of Wisconsin, 2022 NFL draft process. Leo, again, man, I know it's been super busy getting right back from Indianapolis, but thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. I'll, I'll make sure to check in a little later in the process, right before draft day, but I really do appreciate all the time, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me again. Thanks, Leo. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, have a good one. You too. All right, well, David, I don't want to sound like I'm a smart guy, which I am sometimes. All right, but You're I a smart was, ass. That's about it. I am a smart ass, but I was I was hyping that dude up, man, hyping him up in the summer. I'm like, that dude's got something, and then he had a breakout year because he had a good sophomore year. It was good. Junior was great, and then you heard those numbers, man. Like that's pretty. I mean, David, honestly, man, I don't think I've ever seen numbers like that for a 250 pound linebacker. Like that's asinine dude it's absurd those numbers that he put up this year it, you know like i said i don't know if his agent's done it or not but what would be really good and smart for the agent to do if he's listening in is just take those numbers in comparison over the last three drafts and then take linebackers um not only the height weight speed measurables and stuff of the comparison to, to show where he tops out at and where he beat everybody is you know in those but then take what they've done though their translation the other ones that are you know met those measurables and what they've done in their first two seasons and impact on the NFL, because then you could say, listen, I'm directly, you know, comparing the impact my player will have on your draft, on your defense, um, because these players before him have had them and he's got better numbers. Um, and also playing for a coach Leonard, I think it's becoming such a positive, you know, there's certain coaches in, in the college that when you play for them, it's a huge positive that you played for him. And with what Coach Leonard's doing there, I think it's becoming more and more positive for these players um, that they understand his defense, the the, mm-hmm. the complexity of it, then you know that they're able to play inside the scheme and prosper inside the scheme and really be successful inside that scheme. Because I think that scheme, while not as complicated as an NFL scheme is, is transferable. It's really like the 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 two oh one. Right, it's not PhD mm-hmm. level NFL style, but it's really a, it's 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 borderline master's degree of what they do there. It's really a it's not a one hundred one class. It's at least a two hundred one or you know you know an advanced upper level class that he's teaching there in defense. So those kind of things, and you know to hear him talk about loving talking ball with Coach Tomlin and Flores, and you know I want I almost asked him about Wink Martindale because I could see this guy in Wink's system and playing in that 34 with wink and loving how to play for wink so you know that's that's kind of when i when i watched him briefly when you told me he was coming on i you know popped on a little film and took a peek at him i'm like ooh, this guy could be a giant like he really could you know dude it's it's just uncommon how quickly he moves for his size but also he's the best linebacker in the draft when you talk about stacking and shedding at the point of attack like this is your throwback inside linebacker who can run in the four fives and like you said i love him in a three four as an inside linebacker because i do love that length in there but also i mean he could play mike he could play sam even though in the four three even though the sam backers kind of getting phased out a little bit on the nfl level right now but I think he could do a lot of things, man. I, I wouldn't even be shocked, David, because like the arm length wasn't that long. But with this set, with the ability he has as a blitzer, I wouldn't be surprised if a three-four teams like you could be a, a Sam in our three-four scheme, and we can get you on the on the line of scrimmage a little bit and rush the passer. Dude, imagine him playing in the Steelers defense next to Bush. Right, right, yeah. So you you combine his size and athleticism with Bush's undersized kind of run and chase type, right? Like that's. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then like, they, they got TJ Watt outside, and you got uh, their other pass rusher outside. Those are mm-hmm. formidable four, you know, defensive players there, and at that second level, and online, yep. and all that. So, I mean, that would that would create a Steelers defense that would be insane, right? So, well, you know, yeah. And I'm just saying, in, at the at the Giants, you know, Blake Martinez mm-hmm. is probably coming back for them and going to play for Wink inside there, and now you add this guy inside with them. And you again, mm-hmm. you have size, you have physicality, you have shock and shed ability. You got a guy who can play downhill, give you blitz skill from the middle of the you know line, and then you got um, who was their draft pick from Georgia last year outside for for oh um, Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, Ojolari, and then they got um, yeah. 
Roche or whatever, the other outside linebacker kid that was kind of turning it on for them a little bit. So now that would give Wink, you know, multiple ability to dial up different blitzes with that skill level. Mm-hmm. Well, I love honestly the fit in the Steelers system, obviously, right? Like, obviously, there's some three, four into that scheme. But also, I really just like him working with Brian Flores because with his with his background working in New England with those, you know, they kind of like their little oversized linebackers that could do a little bit of everything. Like that's a great fit. And then he mentioned obviously the Packers, right? He's a Wisconsin kid, born and bred. He would love to play for the Packers, obviously. Um, so really good conversation with Leo Chanel. I'll definitely need to check in with him, man, because he's a really good dude. As you can see, like very, very good personality, easy person to talk to. So shout out to Leo for coming on again, because I know it's a really busy time. Before we get on to our topics for the night, would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching from an, an expert? Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for their recruitment plan. With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure the opportunity to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, on your film, your leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to these goals in 2022. Contact us at maverick.sportsconsulting.com. All right, David, so two biggest points of emphasis, right? We're not even talking much combine because we woke up this morning and the NFL was like, no, man, we're talking quarterbacks today around the NFL, right? So one great franchise quarterback is staying put. One franchise quarterback is on the move out west. So let's start here. Actually, not out west. He was already out west, heading south, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, you got it. Heading east. Uh, East. Well, he's still going south, though, because you can't get much higher than it's Seattle. It's not a direct right? line, so, you East Coaster. He's got to go. Uh, so, he's got to go southeast to get southeast. There. Southeast. Okay, so you combine what you said with what I said, then we're good to go here, sir. All right. Anyway, so we're gonna start with Aaron Rodgers, though. We'll get to Russell Wilson and some geography apparently in a couple minutes, but we're gonna talk <laughs> about Aaron Rodgers, who. David, I feel like every offseason it's been a tangent with uh, Aaron Rodgers, man. Like, I remember, remember, what was it, last draft cycle, right? Right before the draft, he was like, I want to get traded. I don't want, or actually, no, it was this draft. I'm sorry. Wait, no, no, it was last draft. Yeah, because it was the Trey Lance year. So he was like, I want to get traded. And they're like, no, we're not trading you. And then he's basically saying, oh, this offseason, I either want to be traded, I want to get a contract, or I'm going to retire, right? And apparently he's really threatening. Oh, I was going to retire. I was going to. Ultimately, Aaron Rodgers played chicken with Green Bay. Let's call it what it is. And Green Bay blinked, and they ended up caving into him. And the, 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 the contract that was reported, and again, it's been disputed whether this is official or not, but the last thing we heard was four years, $200 million, which would be $50 million per year on average, and $153 million guaranteed. So – Aaron Rodgers, in theory, until we hear otherwise, is the most hot, the high, most highly paid quarterback in the NFL now officially and staying with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let's take this from a, f- a couple of different vantage points, David. From the Aaron Rodgers camp, he got what he wanted, right? Got paid. So good for Aaron Rodgers. Am I right? Well, if the contract structure is what is being reported, it's, it's a double double dip positive or bonus for Aaron because not only did he get paid incredible money, but the structure allows him to retire any year he wants of the contract. So therefore he really took the, uh, I can't really say what I was about to, but he really neutered the, uh, the Packers and their ability to, you know, hold any cards in this situation because, you know, now he can go to the offseason next year and go, well, I'm just going to retire again. And they can't hold anything over him because it's going to be like, well, he's under contract. Yeah, but you gave him the structure. If it's correct, if what's being reported is correct, the structure where he could retire pretty much any time and it's not a financial hit to him if he retires. Now, by structuring the contract that way, and that's why I think the numbers are going to come back a little lower because structuring it that way, um, it would be too much of a cap hit, in, in my opinion, at $200 million. 
Like I think the Packers would be taking on too much, you know, forward cap hit if if that were to happen and to give the player Aaron Rodgers or any player that kind of um power over your your team and your cap and ability to, you know, move on once you do retire, I think would would be mm-hmm. a very stupid decision. Not because you know it, he doesn't deserve the money. Don't get me wrong; he has had two back-to-back seasons that have been incredible. But it's because you know when a player return, you know, decides to retire, that that extra cap money that's on there, it just it, especially the value that now we're paying out Aaron Rodgers is so much that it could just cripple a team for the next five years almost because players will leave. They won't be able to afford them. Yep. Plus, you know, and, and it's just going to have a waterfall effect at that level. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the number will come in a little lower. When I first read it, I was like, Ooh, if it's really structured that way where he can retire at his own whim and have that money, that's, that's a cap hip just waiting to kill him. Yeah. And, and I mean, so, all right, so you think the 200 is going to come down, David. Do you think that the 153 is also in that sense then going to come down, the guaranteed that we heard initially then? I think it's probably going to be closer to like maybe one like 145-ish, 142, 145 guaranteed. Um, just to work out over four years, that's a lot of money still on there. And again, Aaron goes out and wins a Super Bowl next year and then says, I'm done they're still going to have yep. cap hip going forward on that. So, you know, it's, that's all it's just, I want to see the structure when it comes out. Um, the initial numbers were hard to swallow for me. And then when they came, when the later reports came back and said, Oh, that's not true. Um, and it came from, I, you know, Aaron's camp himself. And from what I understand Aaron himself, um, I was like, okay, that makes more sense because if they're going to allow him to walk away, they can't just give him all that guarantee. Plus, he wants, you know, they they tendered or they tagged Devontae Adams, so they got him back for him. And, you know, they like you said at the beginning of the show, they're going to want to surround him with his guys and have enough room to bring his guys in and, and keep the offensive line in front of him to keep him protected and all that. So, you know, I know Aaron wants to be the highest paid quarterback and wants to break records. That's a, that's a thing up for him. But that all being said, he still understands you got to have your teammates around you and you got to be protected. So. David, I know you spent obviously a lot of time as a scout on the West Coast. Did you did you scout Aaron Rodgers when he was coming out, or were you not in the position in that position at that time? Oh no, I scouted him. I was in the room when we interviewed him. <laughs> I know, I know, nice. I got great stories about Aaron. He's he's um interesting dude. Interesting, interesting. Yes, dude. I I could see that. I could see uh, he's got the. He's got the mullet going now too, man. I, it looks terrible. He, you need to text him and be like, "Yo, brother." <laughs> oh no, he stopped listening to me long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure long he ago, I'm sure he if, if he didn't, yeah. I would have been up in him uh, a lot, a lot earlier about mm-hmm. other stuff that he's been doing and all the different craziness. But um, <laughs> true, you know, Aaron's always had all the answers, even though it cost him uh, many draft positions in the NFL draft. So. Mm, yeah, that that sounds like a good story for another time, or maybe off off air. <laughs> well, I, but, I can tell it on air. It's just it's a longer story, and uh, you know we don't have to get there on it. But the most interesting on uh, on this uh, topic tonight mm-hmm. for me was that Aaron Rodgers here on Tuesday. I think what free agency starts next week, um, the yep. Tuesday before free agency guarantees that he'll be a Packer. So now they're out of the mix for, you know, anything else. And I want to say a big contributor for this kind of contracting talk was how bad love looked, you know, if love went into in that game in yeah. that game and yeah. tore it up. I don't know if this team gives this kind of commitment, even with the season Aaron Rodgers has, um, you know, they could have trade. He saw the year, I believe left on his contract. So they could have traded him somewhere and got you know we saw we're, we're going to talk about what they got for russell now to trade aaron Rodgers, what what would he have gotten if they would have traded him like to the colts or somewhere you know what i mean put him in the afc yeah. get him out of get him out of the nfc so the only time you would see him would be super bowl kind of like what you know seattle just did with russell they got him out of the nfc the only time they'll see him is in the super bowl or you know if they play a game up there which i guess they are um but that's it. The rest of the time, they don't have to worry about it in the NFC, right? So mm-hmm. it's a it's a situation where you could have gotten an absolute king's ransom, but because Love looks so bad in that game, like just awful, they they're like, well, we got to make this commitment, 
and give you know record breaking money and stuff to Aaron because love's just not panning out the way they thought. I don't believe. Well, let me ask you this, David. How close of a King's ransom do you think they could have gotten comparative to Russell Wilson? Because, I mean, the one thing that Russell has obviously in advantage is that he's 33 years old comparative to what's Aaron, 38, somewhere in that ballpark. You know what I mean? Yes, but again, look what Tom Brady did down in Tampa, right? If you go and take Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not saying this would be the case, but if you went and took Aaron Rodgers and put him on the Saints, you know, and and said, you know, hey, Saints, you can have Aaron Rodgers for four first-round picks, um, you know, and three second-round picks and two third-round picks, whatever. A uh, team like that might be like, okay, you know, because they're 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 uh, their heartburn for Drew Brees is so heavy right now, and they they just lost their coach. <laughs> you know, um, it's 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 going to be kind of bleak down there. But if you can bring the Aaron Rodgers to town playing in that division that just lost Tom Brady. Uh, the Panthers don't look like they're going to have much of a team this year. And, you know, that whole division doesn't look really strong and he could dominate down there. Or again, you can add him to the Colts and I'll put Aaron Rodgers on that Colts team and let that, and then let them draft some, some players and sign some free agents. I mean, that Colts team gets really dangerous. I mean, that's incredible run offense an incredible offensive line there. And now you got a real a real slinger back there with Aaron Rodgers, right? So, you know, again, I think they could have got a really big ransom hearing what, you know, Seattle got for Russ. You might have to almost double that if Aaron was coming. Just because wow. of the immediate because of the immediate impact. You're not looking when you're getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you're like, okay, we're gonna win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Kind of like, you know, what we saw your Rams do. They went and got Stafford. They got Von Miller, you know, they added these veterans with OBJ and stuff and they made it all work. And they're like, we're going to win a Super Bowl this year. And they went and mm -hmm. did it, you know, and I think that owner is extremely excited and happy about that, you know, decision and what the, that front office did. So if you have a team except for a quarterback built and ready to go win a Super Bowl, you give up stuff to get them and make that immediate impact right away. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the Jordan Love side of the conversation because I think that's interesting. I'm going to ask you a yes or no question, okay? I don't want any analysis. I don't want any context. I don't want anything. I've literally a one-word answer, all right? Uh-huh. Will will the Green Bay Packers win a Super Bowl in the next 4 years with Aaron Rodgers? No. Okay, perfect. You, you followed the rules. Congratulations, man. I'm very proud of you. That was awesome. And if you want to know why. <laughs> I don't want to know why. I don't want to know why. Jordan Love. Let's talk about Jordan Love's side okay. of the thing, okay? So, of course, two years ago, they draft Jordan Love. They trade back up into the – or trade back into the first round, I think it was, the 26th overall pick. They take Jordan Love, quarterback out of Utah State. He is, I know they're kind well. of You know very well, Okay. Um, well, they, so they're framing the that went through there that year. True. True. So they frame it obviously similarly to like when Brett Favre was near in the end, they draft Aaron Rodgers, the heir parents, blah, blah, blah. So you think like, okay, that's kind of the similar trajectory. That obviously is not how it's going to work out as long as everything works out from the Aaron Rodgers standpoint. Right. So now my question is how bad of a draft pick was that for one? And not a bad draft pick because Jordan Love might – I mean, because who knows? Jordan Love might end up being a good starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL. But for them, for them specifically, it's a terrible pick because he's never going to play, right? So you drafted a backup quarterback with a 26 overall pick. That's what's happening now. And two, you are now – I mean, well, that's obviously the biggest one. And the immediacy of helping Aaron Rodgers, maybe that 26 pick was a playmaker that could have gotten it done. Maybe it was an impact defender. And I'm just struggling, David, now because is the next course of action to trade Jordan Love for whatever you can get. Hopefully somebody overpays for a former first-round pick. So break down to me just your opinion of how bad of a pick that was and what is the next step with a Jordan Love because it just seems like they failed, obviously, with that selection. So do they hit the eject button and trade for whatever they can get? Do they hold on to him and just kind of take him, you know, he's the backup quarterback? Do they continue to develop him? Like what is the trajectory for Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers? Um, I think Jordan Love just got flushed. 
you know, and the Packers really are showing their weakness and ability to understand how to plan forward. You know, they grossly overestimated Jordan Love's ability and Aaron Rodgers' downside or, you know, his age, right? Because they were like, well, they had him on one more year. So they're like, oh, by 2022, at the end of that season, you know, Aaron will be ready to move on. Jordan will be ready to move in. We'll be good. Then they put him at Jordan into live fire and, you know, he crapped down his leg. So it's just like, you know, they're, they under, they overestimated on Jordan and then they underestimated, you know, Aaron's wanting, want to, to stick around and be, you know, playing and relevant still into his forties. So much like Tom Brady was, you know, so that in itself was a, a gross miscalculation by the organization. And then you also take um, that draft pick. You know, I can go back to drafthistory.com if you give me a minute. And um, and we can see who were other picks around that available. Uh, available. And that was the uh, 19, right? 2019, it should have been. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, 2020 might have been 2020. Hold on. Uh, 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. So just looking at it, where is it? There it is. 2020. So, uh, okay. So, at, yeah. Well, no. Jordan Love. Yeah. 2020 was pick, taken with the 26th pick overall. Mm-hmm. So still on the, on the table there was Clyde Hilaire, right? Who's you had, yeah. you had T Higgins. You had uh, Michael Pittman. You had Could've DeAndre helped. Swift. Could have helped. You had, uh, yeah, Xavier McKinney, DB out of uh, Alabama, safety that could have yeah. helped. Um, you had Gross Manos, the the pass rusher uh, that was still there. Who else was down here? Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Flippin Taylor, running back, Wisconsin. Player. Yeah, He's he didn't player. go until the forty first pick. Uh, you know, those are all guys that could have been up there and going. So, you know, even Patrick Patrick Queen, linebacker, was the pick, uh, two picks back behind him. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are all players that could have been there and helping out. And those that's just in the top, top 40 picks that I was looking at really quick um, that could have helped the Packers out over a Jordan Love. You know, at the time I did do the WTF because I knew Jordan and I just don't see that. I didn't see it. A lot of other scouts were like, are you, you're crazy. And I'm like, I don't see it with Jordan. Like, I just don't like Utah state. A lot of his passes were not just laser beams. They were, they were miss gross misses. Um, so I was like, well, okay. You know, people are trying to tell me I'm wrong, but it's rare that I am being Frank and, <laughs> You know, and so with this one, it was definitely like, okay, here we go. But for Jordan, I don't think anybody now, this draft class, as you know, is light with quarterbacks. Yep. Light. But he didn't go out and show when he was under fire that one game that he, you know, people weren't like when Aaron Rodgers was coming up and they, they let Brett Favre go because of Aaron. Like you, when Aaron went in the game, you saw, you saw the arm talent, you saw how he could throw the ball. You knew he was going to be something really special. You didn't see that with with Love. Now everybody's like, "Don't just kill him on one, you know, on one uh, game." Start. But at the same time, you know, I'm not seeing anything out of Jordan since he's been in the NFL so far uh, that would lead me to believe that he's the heir apparent to you know to Aaron Rodgers. And therefore, why would I overpay him to come to Atlanta or Jacksonville or somewhere else? You know what I mean? Um, because I just I think he's going to be a bargain. He's going to sit behind Aaron again. Aaron have another year, and next year, I think you'll get a bargain for Jordan Love. It's fair. We'll we'll see what happens with him. I, I hope for Jordan's sake that he you know gets an opportunity. Hopefully, so we'll see what works. Uh, David, some breaking news on the podcast. This doesn't happen too often. Our good friend of the show, Tom Pelosero, just tweeted out that the Tennessee Titans are signing outside linebacker Harold Landry, who was set to hit free agency, signed him to a five-year, 
$87.5 million extension with $52.5 million guaranteed. Harold Landry is coming off a 13, 14 sack season somewhere in that ballpark. Obviously he had a great year. I really liked him coming out of Boston College, by the way, and he's developed into a really good pass rusher. So Harold Landry just got paid $17.5 million per on average with $52.5 million guaranteed for the, I think he's like a 26-year-old pass rusher. So yeah, no, they, these deals are going to be coming in fast and furious because the cap went up significantly, and people are going to now have money to to really reward this year's class, and you'll see certain deals get reworked, like we saw with Zach Martin and Dat down in uh, at the Cowboys just today or yesterday get reworked to open up cap room. But you know, with the cap being so uh, inflated this year, it's going to wind up, you know you're going to wind up seeing some really good deals for these guys. These guys are hitting the market right at the right time. Mm-hmm. Well, last thing we want to hit on today is, of course, the Russell Wilson trade. Before we do, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No? Well, what's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access to companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off of their own likeness and going to college if it's simply that you don't have access to companies don't let that keep you from being successful contact us at maverick sports consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career an athlete's earning potential is limited why wait until tomorrow to start earning today it doesn't matter what sport you play we help all our clients achieve their goals just contact us at maverick sports consulting tiktok the clock is ticking all right, David. So I have the full trade here. Okay. So the Broncos agreed to trade for Russell Wilson, Drew Locke, quarterback, tight end, Noah Fant, defensive lineman, Shelby Harris, who's actually a good player, by the way. Two well, so first Noah round drafts. Noah Fant. Yeah, Noah no, Noah's good too. No, no, Noah, Noah's a good player. He came, he was coming off of an injury plagued year, but he is a very talented tight end. You're absolutely correct. Two first-round picks, 2022, which is the ninth overall selection, and the 2023 pick, whatever that ends up being. Two second-round picks, which was the number 40th overall this year and a 2023, and a 2022 fifth-round pick to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth-round pick. So, David, I mean, we have to go, have to go from both sides first and foremost, right? Let's start with Denver. What is your opinion on their side of the trade? Obviously, they got Russell Wilson, who is a 33-year-old quarterback, coming off of a down year with the uh, hand injury of his throwing hand. But I I would argue that when he is healthy, fully healthy, he is one of the top five quarterbacks in the National Football League right now, only 33 years old. So in theory, he's got at least a nice little window here. He's, he's Quarterbacks just seem to be getting older and older and be able to play a little bit longer. So your opinion on the deal from the side of the Denver Broncos? I think George Payton, obviously, friend of the program here, you know, um, he did an incredible job here as, you know, making this trade, bringing his new coach um, and new staff, a veteran quarterback, a genuine leader, somebody who can walk in the locker room and capture some of these young players' attention and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, I am playing with Russell Wilson now, right? Um did they give up too much? I don't think so. Because like you said, Russ is 33. If, you know, if he's able to keep healthy, he can play at least five more years, let's say. Okay. So if you got a quarterback for five years now and a veteran guy who's been proven and you put him in this, you know, this loaded now AFC West, I mean, look at the guns, you know, in the AFC West, um, it's it's going to you have to have a quarterback to compete out in the AFC West and they just went and got one like they needed one it wasn't like and again like with that ninth overall pick this year obviously George and the crew were not comfortable with that pick being a quarterback and leading their way forward and by getting rid of Drew Locke it's like we're not even have that guy in our locker room in order to create or stir any controversy it's going to be Russell's team 100% we're making it clear decision on that you you know it's kind of similar to what they did up in minnesota when they got rid of what bradford and they brought in cousins and you know george was part of that so it's kind of you've seen it in his mo um in his in his career 
And he's got himself a guy that he can really build around and build with. And he's got the trio of receivers that is attractive to Russell. He's got the running back and Will uh, Williams that's attractive to Russell. He's got a very solid defense. So, you know, I think it was a missing, a very large missing piece for the Denver Broncos. And George Payton went and said, I'm going to pay the price it takes to get that piece here so we can win now with the team that we have. Yeah, I, I sorry, I just got caught up, David. So much breaking news. I want to throw this one at you real quick before I rebuttal to what you just said. And actually, I agree with 98% of what you said. So Adam Schefter just reported Seattle Seahawks have informed eight-time All-Pro uh, sorry, eight-time Pro Bowl All-Pro linebacker Bobby Wagner, a franchise icon, that they are releasing him per source. They are releasing Bobby Wagner. It sounds like uh, any Seattle Seahawks fans out there, you guys are going to be in the rebuilding years. Um, it's going to be it's going to be hard, uh, hard, hard choices coming here. That's a little weird, man. I, I don't I don't know if uh, like David because that's a little weird to me, right? And and I, I would love your insight into this, right? So my initial thought is like, why are you releasing him? You couldn't get anything for Bobby Wagner. Maybe it was like a, a mutual decision where Bobby was just kind of like, guys, like I gave you a lot. Can you just let me pick my destination? Maybe I don't know. It seems like kind of weird though. Well, again, if if the contract's favorable for the organization to release him and let a player of his caliber that's done so much for the organization go choose his own path and do it now while money's still on the table at other teams that's class and that's a lot of a, a lot of class by John uh, Schneider and that organization up there because you know again it they might have been able to get stuff for Bobby but they're saying we respect you and everything you've done here <clears throat> and before all the money and free agency spent when we're trying to trade you and we're holding your, you know, you know, holding the feet to the fire for another team. No, we're not going to play those games. We're just going to let you go and figure it out. That's a lot of class. It really is because that's hard for an organization to give up. Like, you know, it's kind of like, what is it? The Texans, what they did with JJ Watt, right? They let JJ go out and find his own deal because of everything they, that he did for that organization. Sure. And here, this is a sign of class, in my opinion, that John just did and that organization Pete Carroll and them did for Bobby. Just hearing about it, initial reaction, you know, I got to hear over the next day or so what maybe reasons or things that caused it or, in addition, financials that maybe forced him to do this because maybe his contract wasn't favorable for other teams to take on. So they just weren't – there wasn't a market for him. But, again, initial reaction to the news that's just breaking – I would say it's a sign of class by the Seattle Seahawks for a player that's given that organization so much and that community so much to let him go make his own decision now. Yeah, no, that was my initial thought too, is that was that has to be you know the mutual respect aspect of everything. So uh, you know where he would be a great fit? There's a, there's a pretty decent uh, NFC West champ that just won a Super Bowl for Bobby Wagner who needs linebacker play. So just throwing that one out there, you know, just throwing it out there. If he wants to be an L.A. Ram, I would more you than just happy want, you just want Wagner. You just want the Rams to be the Lakers, man. Like, you just That's want the fine, Rams. That's fine, man. Hey, man. Oh, my hey. God. You think it's David or something? David, for a long time, man, the end of the Mike Martz era into Scott Linehan and, and, uh, and Spagnola there for a couple of years and all those guys, man. There was a 10-year span there as a Rams fan where they went like 43 and like 117. So let me enjoy this, man. Let me enjoy this, all right? It was rough times in the Sam Bradford era, all right? There were some tough times in there, man. So just let, let me have this, all right? Just let me have it. Mm -hmm. All right, so getting back to the Russell Wilson talk, man. A lot of breaking news on this podcast. This is all awesome. so I should subscribe, right? Because we're That's breaking down stuff literally. Listening to us. We're bringing it. Not only are yeah. we bringing the news, but you're getting instant analytics from a former NFL scout and one of the yep. leading draft Twitter verse players, people, personnel, scouts. <laughs> what are you? I, have I don't no know. Idea. I was letting you uh, coin my coin whatever my uh, title was there. I don't know where you were going there for a second. One of the leading uh, Twitter scouts out there that I respect the hell out of and I just make fun of because you're my friend. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm the ruler I'm the ruler of draft Twitter. I'm the president of draft Twitter. You, you are the I mean? you are the czar 
Or Zahar. I like the Zar. Zar. I like that. There you go. I, like, I might coin that one. I like that. All right. So going back to the Russell Wilson, I agree with you completely in the sense of the Denver Broncos in that that's that in that perspective, right? Because I think that the phrase David, honestly, a quarterback away is really oversold. And I think it's honestly just used too much. And a lot of times it's not very applicable. I honestly do think that the Denver Broncos are a quarterback away from potentially winning for a championship. I do. Because, like you mentioned, they had a really good defense. Vic Fangio, obviously, out. So, like, what's defense going to look like? But there's still talent, obviously, there. They have a strong running game with Javonta Williams. And maybe Melvin Gordon comes back. Who knows? Maybe leaves. Whatever. They have a really nice young wide receiver group. And offensive line has the holes that you need to fill, but Russell Wilson is better than just about anybody and making offensive lines look better than they actually are. Just look at what he did in Seattle for the last 10 years, right? So I love the fit for the for Russell Wilson in Denver. I really do. I think that they can compete in that division with Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. And that has become now, I mean, you have Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. The worst quarterback in the division is Derek Carr, who's a pretty solid quarterback. So it's it's pretty good yeah, stuff. Yeah, Derek man. Carr was only the league-leading passer through first nine games or something last year. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. Like he's, he's a good player, right? So it just it illustrates just how important quarterback play is in this league, to say the least. So I think that it is – I think that Denver Broncos, I would call the winner, quote-unquote, and we'll see how, obviously, how Russell Wilson plays and if they are able to make a run and all that type of stuff. But, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks on the other side of it, they did get a King's Ransom back, man. Like, they got – they got Shelby Harris is a really good player, underrated. Noah Fan is a really promising, young, good football player. Drew Locke – whatever i guess we'll see if he can do something but you got a lot of picks back for it so i think that the seattle seahawks were in the need of a reboot like they need to turn the dial back and be like hey man like this just isn't going to work this formula anymore right we need to start back over and we need to kind of collapse this thing and then let's rebuild it up right so i think that it was a necessity off the seahawks i don't know i mean we'll have to see what they do with those picks but my initial reaction is I don't think I wouldn't call them a loser in the conversation. I would say maybe Denver's a little more of a winner, but I think the Seahawks did get a lot back for Russell Wilson. It's just oh. the unfortunate circumstance where they are as a franchise right now. No, I agree 100%. I don't I think Seattle got a great deal for a quarterback. I I'm going to ask you a question in a second after I say what I'm about to say, but you know, for me, I think they got a great I you know, now they have the you know, the ninth pick overall. They have the 40th and 41st pick overall. So if they wanted to combine some some picks and even move up, like swap with Carolina or something and move up to the sixth pick, if there's a player there, that would make sense to swap or whatever. They have ammo now, um, and they still have the 72nd pick. So if my math is right, they got three in the top 100. Um, and three in the top 75 or four, I'm sorry, four in the top 75 picks. So therefore mm -hmm. that's going to be some good talent coming to Seattle, you know, this year with those top, those, those top heavy picks. I mean, there yeah. are teams that are obviously in better situations like the giants and the jets, you know, but th those top four picks, I mean, four in the top 75, that's a very good situation to be in, especially in this year's draft where there are some deep stuff there, you know, deep positions. But knowing the draft like you know it, Ryan, at the mm -hmm. ninth pick, yeah. right now they're sitting at the ninth pick. Can you see a quarterback worthy of the ninth pick that would be a replacement style player for Russell Wilson? Or do you see them going a different direction at the ninth pick? I see a different direction. Like you could but you could talk me into Malik Willis from Liberty being a guy that's similar stylistically, so it would make sense for the formula. But I really just don't think there's a guy there with the ninth pick that deserves to be drafted there, man. Like, I, if I was the Seahawks and they got the other first round pick in 2023, if I was them, man, with how that roster is right now, I like to think that I'm doing best player available throughout the entire draft this year. And then next year, where there is, in theory, at least early, it appears that there is going to be a couple quarterbacks that are going to be worthy of top 10 picks, maybe first and second overall selections in CJ Stroud out of Ohio State and Alabama's Bryce Young. I would like to think that I am going to really tackle building this roster up. And then if you want to mortgage draft capital next year, 
to get up. Or, I mean, you might honestly be bad enough with Drew Locke and the roster that you have that you <laughs> might just be in that position. So it might not even matter. But Hey, my I buddy's that, the OT there. They're not going to be that bad. <laughs> all right, well – I, 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 I think, David, personally, that the ninth overall selection should be designated for the, a pass rusher in this draft because I think that's just how the board's going to fall. I think there's going to be a defensive end that is going to be there, whether it is Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State that blew up the senior bowl and is a really good player, or it's George Karloftis out of Purdue, or somebody like that. I think you can get a value with a pass rusher with how the board, I think, is going to fall. And I think after that, you do best player available throughout because that roster is in need, man. Offensive t- offensive line, huge need. Secondary, big need. Linebacker, now a big need. Pass rusher, big need. Wide receiver might be because now there are rumors about Tyler Lockett maybe being on the trade block. So there are going to be needs everywhere. So I think best player available. And then next year is when you try to really reset the quarterback position. This year, like, hey, Drew Locke or Geno Smith or whatever, you can play this year. We'll see if Drew Locke can play at all. If not, whatever, we'll be in position to draft the quarterback. So I think I would I think I think would defer on quarterback at nine, and I think best player available is the route to go this year. Yeah, I was thinking that too when I was when I started pre-show looking at it. You know, that's what came to my mind. Like, is there a, is there a player at nine that would, you know, warrant that pick? But like you said, I think pass rusher – or another you know need position. If there's gonna yeah. is this deep pass rusher this year. I think there's deep in some other positions, you know, that you they, mm-hmm. they could address. And then um, yeah. like you said, roll with what they got, or maybe in free agency somebody becomes available that they wanna, you know, collect and bring over. Um, but yeah, I don't see the number nine overall pick being a quarterback this year for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, and I, but I do think that this is a decent year. If you're if you're a team that is not chasing your franchise quarterback this year, but will in the future, I think 2022 is a really good draft to be that best player available. Because, like you said, the important positions in football outside of quarterback, right? Pass rusher, there is a lot of in this class. Cornerback, there is a lot of in this class. Um, wide receivers, which is obviously becoming a more and more important position, there's a lot of it in this class. Offensive tackles, there's a lot of it in this class. So those paramount positions are very deep in this class. So well, I think, think this about year, what you just said. Like if he went pass rush, elite pass rusher at nine, and mm-hmm. then at 40 took best offensive tackle left on the board, and then at mm-hmm. 41 they took best corner. receiver or best corner on the board yeah. at 41. Yep. I mean, now you got two helps on defense, pass rusher, corner, and then you got a, a left tackle or a right tackle, best one available at 40. Mm-hmm. You've, you've addressed three positions, and you still have 72 to go, where, exactly. again, you can go back at 72 and pick an interior offensive lineman. They're usually sitting right there at that point. And mm-hmm. now you've gotten two offensive linemen, corner, and a, a pass rusher. That's four really quality draft picks in the top 75 and to help yeah. fix that team up, like you said. So, you know, I, I agree with you, and I think that's more of what John's philosophy and will end up being. Now, uh-huh. if they pick two offensive linemen in the top 75, I think Russell Wilson's going to say an explorative because when he was there, they, they never drafted really good offensive linemen. Uh, but now they have the draft capital to do it, and they have a draft class that will warrant it. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this, David. We just did a uh, we did a mock draft on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast today, and uh, it was weird. One, seeing the Seattle Seahawks with a top ten pick now for one, but also, man, it's like pr- trying to predict the Seahawks first round pick was hard enough. Now we're talking about a top ten pick, man. Like they go off the wall with some of their first round draft picks. So I'm just like, I have no idea where they're going to go here. So I know where I would go. Where they would go might be a completely different story, but that is going to be it here on Map Sports Take episode 78, your unmuzzled sports talk focusing on the business side of sports. I want to thank everybody. I'm going to give David Turner the last word here in a second, but I want to thank everybody that joined us live. I want to thank everybody that is out there in the Twitterverse, YouTube land, wherever you are listening to this podcast, or if you are listening to this podcast on your favorite platform, make sure to like, subscribe, and send us a rating, send us a review. We really appreciate it as we continue to grow here now on the Believe Podcast Network. So thank you all so much for joining us. David Turner, for the last word of the night, my friends. What is on your mind, sir? Well, as I believe it's National Women's Day here, I just want to say one thing really quick. You know, as um, a man who was raised by a mother and my two older sisters because my father passed when I was young, 
and now a father of a young a young girl um celebrating women shouldn't just be a day it should be a daily thing because the strength in which women you know bring to our world in the most um beautiful ways you know they really reflect love that has been given to them wholeheartedly more back to to us men and to the whole world and everybody around them i've never met a loving woman that hasn't affected everybody in in their life and around them so you know, on National Women's Day, it's something that I want everybody to think about, remember, and call mom, hug your daughters, bring bring them all in, and then, um, you know, let them know how much you love them and how much you respect them and how much walking this world with them matters the most. I love it. Great, great ending there again, Mav Sports Take, episode 78. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. We appreciate you all. Next week's going to be crazy. We've got legal tampering on Monday. We're going to start getting some yeah. free agent talk. So appreciate you all. Next week's going to be crazy after all the signings this I week. Know, man. It's going to be like a two-hour show next week. But appreciate <laughs> you all. See you all next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.